Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, it is December 15th, 2011, and you are listening to Talking Comics. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Yo, yo. We're on the line with Stephanie Cook. Hey. And joining us, our very special guest, a writer of Done to Death, Andrew Foley. Hi. <laughs> That's well, I'm glad to hear that. That's fantastic. I can't beat you guys for energy, so I'm just not even going to try. <laughs> just All balance right. it out. Be as low energy as possible. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. It's, like, it's going to be like talking to Stephen Wright all the way for the next hour. Well, that means it'll be hilarious, so I think we'll be okay with that. Um, so that's the new pressure on you. If you're going to be low energy, you have to be as funny as Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. Funny. Okay. Okay. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> fantastic. Glad to be here. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to get into uh, all about your work in a little bit. But um, before we get started into, into comics, Steve, how's, how's life? How's things? Things have been good. Things have been good? Things have been up. Things have been down. Uh, sprained my left knee the other day. It was awesome. Uh, I finally ordered myself a tablet. I'm getting a Galaxy Tab uh, 10.1. Nice. Uh, it should be Perfect. arriving soon. And uh, I'm very excited about that. Let's no, see. no iPad? No iPad? No. No. I have, an, I have the iPhone. Mistake. I don't, I don't need a bigger version Mistake of it. Mistake. Mistake. So. You're going to want an iPad in like two weeks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yes. Trade that bad boy in. <laughs> this sucks. I want a giant iPhone right now. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. All right. So tablet. Nice. Yeah. Now you can read comics on your on the go absolutely now that you can't read them on the go with a, a comic book because it's very portable but <laughs> you know but uh no other than that i've just been uh just been chilling out i've been reading uh lots and lots of good stuff uh we're gonna talk about some of that tonight and uh otherwise i'm just gearing up for the holidays and you've been playing a little skyrim i hear been playing some skyrim i uh i made a khajiit uh character i think he's gonna be like a spell shield uh mace wielding badass okay uh, nice i named him hobbs nice because he's a cat obviously exactly. the Khajiit are the cat people of the, of the skyrim that's right yes <laughs> and uh so far it is a very very uh overwhelming game i mm. love it mm. and uh i'm looking forward to to really sinking my teeth into it uh after the holidays during like that january lull yes yes i am still in skyrim but i actually beat gears of war I need a break from the intense open worldness. So I beat that. I only like two or three hours left at Gears of War. So I played through that. That was fun. This is Gears of War. You know, it's so good. It's really good. The, the, the cool thing is that, of course, the shooting is great and all the action is really good. And the set pieces are great. 
But what's interesting is I felt like the emotional stuff really worked. And I feel like it's the exact opposite of the second game because I felt like the second game, like uh, uh, not Dom, right? No. Yeah. yeah Dom's wife that yeah. was just so yeah. bad. Maria. Yeah. It was laughably bad. But this stuff I felt actually kind of worked. Um, Stephanie, I may have uh, cried a bit. Really? You well, cried? It, it might have brought me... It, it, there, were, there were tears welling up. And I don't think there was actually full crying. Wow. I, Whoa. It was emotional. I mean, I mean, you see, spoiler alert, you see Marcus's what? hair <laughs> at the end of the game. No you, way. You see, he takes off the do-rag. No. What do we do now? <laughs> I didn't recognize him. Yeah. No. Mm, yeah. Um, Stephanie, <laughs> you've been playing uh, Deus Ex. Yes. In case you haven't followed me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you follow you on Twitter, you can't get away from the fact uh, you're playing Deus Ex. Yeah, no, I, I beat it today, actually. I started playing Dead Island this afternoon, but uh, I spent the better part of the weekend uh, beating Deus Ex and uh, tweeting my anger about it. You did tweet a lot of anger about it. I tried to help you out as much I as know. I could. You did help. And uh, that augment cheat sheet you uh, sent me, yes. cheat sheet. it helped out a whole buttload. Oh, so. yeah. That is that is the golden cheat sheet for augmentations. There's an upgrade system in Deus Ex, and you 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 get all these you have all these like biotic powers or whatever. And some of them, if you upgrade them, they don't do anything for you. So they're just fucking stupid. Yeah. So they don't let you know that though in the game. So if people have turned to this, there's this games radar cheat sheet that kind of tells you what augments to use, and it's a lifesaver. Yeah, because some... basically you can't upgrade all of the things, and no. they tell you that, but they don't tell you. They make everything sound good. and Yeah, and everything is not good. Everything is stupid. You got to know how to build. Yeah. You, you, but you, you, they don't give you the right information to build. Oh. They don't, that's, that's the problem. It's um, a hit and miss kind of thing. Yeah, it's not like Skyrim where if you, whatever you level up, it's going to help you out. There's stuff you level up in, in Deus Ex and it's like, whatever. Um, Andrew, how is your life going? It's going pretty good. No video games, but uh, yeah, I'm... I can't complain, and that's highly unusual for me. <laughs> um, you seen any good movies lately or anything? Actually, no. <laughs> um, I don't actually go see movies that often anymore. Um, I'm basically the VCR and the DVD have ruined the theater-going experience for me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I can't go in there without having some idiot talking to their friend and me having to tell them to shut up. Yeah, so, sounds like me. It does sound so, like you. That's Steve. the worst. Yeah, and I mean, and it happened. And once it happens to me, I am like highly stressed out, ready to stroke out at any moment, just with <laughs> anger. And usually they shut up, which is the worst because I'm still angry, but I can't focus it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't go to the theater, and I don't uh, really watch. Well, I mean, for me, where things are happening right now is TV. So I'm more of watching the TV guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. I'm watching The Wire because I'm supposed to be writing a procedural. From my manager says, write a procedural, <laughs> and I'm watching the The Wire instead. Yeah, <laughs> say, yeah, that's not quite Law and Order, but I mean that's the best. Uh, it's such a good show. But yeah, yeah. And uh, what else? Well, I got to see the first episode of the Charlie Brooker uh, Black Mirror, which was awesome. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I haven't seen it though. It was good. It it is fantastic. It's so me. It's just super <laughs> duper bleak. And what is it? I have never heard of it. It's a it's a three episode series by a guy that's a, I guess he's a television critic in uh, in the UK, and he wrote a uh, a great 
zombie miniseries called um, Dead Set, which was basically oh, I love Dead Set. Yeah, a zombie apocalypse breaks out, and people on the, in the Big Brother house don't know. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, ri- written these three uh, separate hour long episodes that I don't think are really connected. I haven't seen the second one yet. Third one was not out yet either. Um, but I gather that it's more like a Twilight Zone thing where he just does one episode and, and then next episode its own thing. But that first episode was just amazing. That sounds pretty cool. I have to check that out. Can yeah. I tell you the setup with like, I'll give you the first 10, I'll spoil the first 10 minutes. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. So there's this very popular princess in the UK. Uh, I'm not sure if he's really going for Diana or Kate Middleton, but it's so she's super popular. So she gets kidnapped and the kidnapper has one demand, which is that the prime minister, uh, get intimate with a pig on live television. <laughs> wow. And, uh, it is, it just goes from there. And it's like I said, I, this could never get done in the States. Like we'll, I'll, we'll, we'll never see black mirror the u.s version because it's just not going to happen yeah <laughs> but uh just just fantastic television that sounds uh, awesome knowing where it, knowing where it came from too is uh definitely intriguing i liked uh I, I watched dead set uh in one night we went through all the episodes and it was awesome yeah you really have to watch it all at once because basically it's like a two and a half hour setup for that last minute yeah and it's so so worth it yeah it really is i loved it i thought it was really good um, yeah so that, that's the stuff i've been i mean i've been watching tons of other stuff but that's what jumps to the top of my mind great awesome that sounds great actually um all right so let's uh move on to comic books as we are talking comics uh we're gonna talk about our books of the week um steve you want to go first sure can i have two yeah if you make it quick you know no stephanie says no you're outvoted nope sorry all right right, right. (laughs) um book that uh actually I, I was gonna say our trip to the city uh last weekend or the weekend before whatever it was uh paid out quite well because we picked oh i picked up a couple of uh volumes off the shelf uh and one of the things that i picked up was uh warren ellis's freak angels and i've only read the first volume but i sat down last night to check it out and i ended up reading the whole thing in one shot uh it's interesting it's like there's these there's these 12 uh psychic children that um pretty much with a with one collective thought had destroyed the world and ended up saving this one city for themselves and one of their um one of the 12 basically ends up going AWOL and wants to start making other psychics and basically build an army and become like a master race so what they do is they gang up on him and they basically kick him out of the city and into like the wastelands of what's left of the world. And the book is pretty much these 11 children uh, growing up in the city and having to defend the people from all these people coming in, trying to take it back. And it's really just a really, really cool setup. I didn't know what to think when I was first reading it, but uh, the way it works is really strange because they can all uh, talk to each other telepathically throughout the book. So like one of them could be out scouting and scavenging stuff underwater and still be talking to people um they can see through each other's eyes um it's it's a really really interesting setup um i know that there's several other volumes if it's not finished it might even be done um really looking forward to to digging into it so that was one and then real quick just another one was uh volume one of strange girl written by uh rick remender this thing was awesome um pretty much a girl 
is um, Hell on Earth shows up. Basically, Damnation comes, takes all the people that uh, deserve to go to heaven and whatnot, brings them up, and everybody else is screwed. This, you know, big fault line opens up, Hell raises the whole bit, um, demons are walking the earth, and this little girl basically hides in a uh, bomb shelter. And she finds a trap door. When she goes through the trap door, she finds the pages of a demon spell book. And one of the main demons of hell basically takes her in as a pet and raises her uh, as his own. And she ends up, in the beginning of the book, going against him, stealing the sacred pages. And she goes on this, like, wild um, road trip with this uh, like little wisecracking demon that uh, that she's got. And the book is just... Really, really super colorful. Uh, I think it was uh, what was it, Eric Guyan? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry, but uh, the art is really colorful. It's almost like an anime sketch kind of uh, art. Lots and lots of vibrant colors. Uh, lots of like lens flare and stuff like that. It's really cool. It almost reminds me um, of like Ralph Steadman or uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas style adventure. Just really, really wacky uh, shit's happening at every turn. And uh, I, I've only read volume one, but I'm totally hooked on it. I can't wait to read the rest of it. Nice. So those are my favorite books this week. Very nice. Uh, I'll go next. My favorite book, it's not really a big surprise, but we haven't actually talked about it very much on, on the show just because of the circumstances. But uh, Animal Man number four came out this past week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Lemire, um, obviously. And... If you've been reading it, if you read the first three, you you, you know well, you know how I feel about it. You know how good it's been, and I, I felt like a lot of books that have gone along, especially in this new Fifty Two stuff, uh, have either have started out strong and for the most part uh, lost their way in a lot of ways. A lot of them feel like they're lost in a storytelling sense, and this book has none of those problems. Uh, there's such a clarity of vision happening in his writing and the art. Um, supports it uh, completely. Travel Foreman's art is, is wonderful. And what it does great is that the book is about a superhero, but the book is the book is about a superhero who is out of his depth, who doesn't know what he's doing. And I think that's just really interesting. And he's, he's a father who is ultimately concerned about his kids and his wife more than anything else. And what's also great is that his kids and his wife aren't helpless. They're fighters. And you, you pair that with some really scary art. There's some really scary stuff happening in the book. I love that stuff. It's yeah, awesome. Like genuinely scary stuff. And, but it's all just kind of fits right in. And it's kind of works perfectly, you know? And so I'm super excited to keep reading it. And it's one of the few books along with uh, swamp thing uh, Bat- and Batman and the Flash that I'm actually of the New Fifty Two that I'm really excited about each next issue. So, uh, just if you're not reading it, get, you know there's still time to go back and read those back issues. Um, and if you're on the fence about it, don't be. I mean, it's it's such a great book. Absolutely, he yeah. writes uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade too. He does as well, which has been phenomenal. Yeah, and he writes Sweet Tooth, which is also phenomenal. Yes, so you should check that out. Uh, Andrew, uh, do you have a book of the week? Yeah, actually, I do, and it surprised me because. Well, I got I got to preface it with a couple of things. Um, Marvel for the last five years has like depressed the living shit out of me. Um, <laughs> not because the quality of the work's been down; it's pretty pretty good across the board. But just the direction of the universe 
seems so uh, so nihilistic for a for a superhero universe that it's sort of get gotten me down. Mm-hmm. Like like you're talking to a guy whose favorite superhero book is Jack Staff. So <laughs> I like I like my superheroes a little bit more bright and shiny. Right. And uh, I didn't really think that uh, fear itself quite it didn't connect with me what i understand the the theme to be just never really i never really got it from the actual work Mm -hmm. um so i thought after that that uh i would i was pretty safe to just kind of pick up the occasional matt fraction book and keep track of it but not really um like make it a must read right and then and then this week defenders number one came out and it it is fun yeah between that and Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, Marvel's like doing fun comic books again, and I'm thrilled and hope it lasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Defenders number one is definitely my pick for the week. It, uh, it's about, it, it does fall off of fear itself, but you don't really need to know anything about it. Basically, what it boils down to is the Hulk has his own Hulk and the Defenders are assembled to, well, whatever Defenders do, they don't assemble, let's copyright the Avengers. <laughs> But uh, a team of friends of the Hulk team up to try and take down this Black Hulk, which seems to be almost a, a psychic entity as well as a physical one. Maybe oh, not even cool. a physical one. Um, the first couple of pages are like like old school Grant Morrison Doom Patrol, where I love, which I love, where it's just uh, listing weird things that are happening. Um, so the, I had a, there's like a couple of issues. It seems like almost every male character in there is Austin Powers. Like <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of shagging going on. Um, and we're used but, to that on talking comics. Yeah, um, that's what the man, I almost picked it up, but my main issue was like I didn't know if I needed to know Fear itself because I hadn't I haven't I hadn't read Fear itself, so I was worried about picking it up. It looked interesting to me, but I just didn't know. So you're saying that. I don't really need to know the events of fear itself to get this book. I, I don't think so. I think uh, I can almost say you're better off not knowing it um, just because it, it, it is so much its own thing and the threat is defined very early on. Um, and yeah, it, it does come from fear itself, but it's not necessary to know about what happened in fear itself. Yeah. And it is like, like multiple degrees more fun than fear itself was. It really feels like Matt fractions, kind of paid his dues doing fear itself and now they're letting him go back and be casanova matt fraction mm-hmm, right. and just and just having some fun and uh yeah and that with the and the dodson's art they're like pretty much my ideal superhero artist oh that sounds so, awesome so yeah no it, it is a really fun book when did and, uh did that come out last week yeah that was just last week yeah yeah um grab that tomorrow uh, if you're looking for a fun Marvel book, I just, I've been reading uh, Avenging Spider-Man. I don't know if you've been reading that or not, um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks it. Uh, unfortunately, it comes in the in the poly bag, and I'm I I, I like I work part time at a comic shop, so I read most of my stuff uh, there. Okay, gotcha. And, gotcha. Then, and then what I like, I pick up and trade later. I'm one of those guys destroying the industry. Um, <laughs> you're your own worst so, enemy. <laughs> so it is. Uh, I haven't really been able to keep up with the ultimate stuff, even though I'd like to. And Avenging Spider-Man, again, uh, Zeb Wells on Spider-Man was pretty, pretty darn awesome when he was doing amazing. So I, I'm not surprised to hear it's good, but I haven't really had a chance to read it yet. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. 
that too, actually. It's really a, really a funny book. I you've like been, it too. You've it's been reading really, it too, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's really funny too. Um, the, the exact kind of Spider-Man that I like in, in, in a book. Um, but that's great to hear about the Defenders. I'm, I'm definitely going to pick that up then actually because uh, I was on the fence about it. But Stephanie, what about you? Um, I chose an oldie this week. Well, it's not really old, but um, I chose American Vampire Volume 1. Ooh. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Nice. I like, yes. I yeah. like the Scott yeah. Snyder. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been meaning to get to this for quite a while. And um, basically, it's written by two authors. It's written by uh, uh, Scott Snyder and uh, also by Stephen King. So both of them, they don't co-write the series. They both um, are responsible for two separate stories that take place within the story that intertwine with each other. Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, make- yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay, it made sense in my head. Um, You're doing anyways. fine. So Snyder's story is set in 1920s LA, and um, his story follows a young actress named Pearl. She's kind of like the 1920s version of... Um, Oh, what's her name in extras? BBC's extras. Oh, I don't her know her, her name, friend. but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she, her and her friend are just trying to make it and they want to, you know, they have dream of fame and uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they end up sort of at the this party to kind of try and get their names out there and be seen. And um, turns out that the party is being run by a group of vampires and uh, needless to say it does not end well for pearl um <laughs> so she uh she she's not doing so good she and, got the uh, chomp is that what she got yeah she she does not do so good and um she ends up well the story ends up getting intertwined with stephen king's story which is um a western so, of course uh, it is. His, pardon me? Of course it is. Yes. So um, he writes a Western about um, a bad guy named Skinner Sweet. And um, he also has a run-in with a group of vampires. But um, he inadvertently becomes a new sort of breed of vampire. And um, being a villain, he doesn't really have, you know, a high set of... Moral Morals standards to begin with, and now he's a vampire, so, um, so he has even less. Yes, and he's actually um, a new breed of vampire. He's he can walk in the sun, and he's um, very different from your traditional vampire. And um, it's a really great read. Um, I mean, they put a really great twist on the vampire in a good way, not in the sense of this sparkly bullshit. <laughs> um. And it was a lot of fun. It was dark and the vampires that um, it's illustrated by what's his name? Raphael Al- Albuquerque. Albert. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to say his last name. It's spelled like it's, Albuquerque, but I don't, I don't know if it's pronounced that way. Yeah. I don't think it Albuquerque. is. Albuquerque. Yeah. Raphael something or other. <laughs> um, and he does a really great job of bringing this story to life. And some of the illustrations are fucking scary as shit. So, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I really want to pick up um, volume two and see where the story takes me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's a, it's a great it's a great read. Um, it's interesting the two different stories happening at the same time. I'm not. I don't think that that continues for the entire run of the book, though. 
No, they just sort of intertwine. Um, like it only sort of, I guess they intertwine at the beginning, and then the stories are kind of separate. Right. I mean, they kind of weave in in and out of each other's timelines. Yeah, I mean, the book's still going now. I'm pretty sure Stephen King doesn't write on it anymore. No. Yeah. No. So yeah. I think it's just Snyder, but it's a it's a great read, and Snyder's a great writer, so it's it's really cool to be reading that. Um, all right, so let's move off. We're gonna go off the path. We're let's go. go off the beaten path. Let's go with Steve. Um, we're very special off the beaten path. Yes, today indeed. Um, because we're gonna be talking a little bit to the um, the Andrew Foley, the author of Done to Death, who's been joining us for the whole show. So, Steve, take it away. All right, Andrew, you with us? Steve, yes, I am. All right. Uh, I guess my my first question to you is, uh, how did you get into writing comics? Like, when did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? Um, officially, it was about 15 years ago. I mean, I've been writing well, writing stories and wanting and drawing them for quite a long time, too, for pretty much my entire life. So uh, I went to art college intending to become a comic artist, got distracted by painting and uh, basically uh, ended up running a studio for a few years afterwards uh, for painting. And I more or less hadn't written anything for about five or six years. And then one night I had a uh, gallery owner in my studio and he was telling me what I had to do with my paintings to get them hung in his in his gallery. And in retrospect, he was really being generous and doing me a, a favor by doing that. But at the time I didn't hear a word he said, I just wanted to throw him out the window. <laughs> um, so Basically, as soon as he left, I sat down and said, well, obviously I can't do that professionally. <laughs> and I thought, what can I do with, where I can treat it as a craft and take criticism and critique and synthesize it and uh, use it and improve? And uh, the thing I came to was writing. And pretty quickly, it went to the thing that I loved the most, which is writing comics. Awesome. Um, unfortunately, I decided to do this about 30 seconds before the entire industry went down the train. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I swear to God, I, I could actually hear the flushing sound. I just didn't know what it was. Well, you so, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's when I decided I was going to give the writing thing a serious shot. Very cool. I'm glad that you did. Uh, I, 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 sometimes I am too. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Let's see. Well, let, you've got you've got a couple other things besides. Uh, we'll get to done to death, I guess. In the end, I actually wanted to ask you about Holiday Men, which is one of your your other uh, written works. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Uh, the Holiday Men is basically my response to having to think about Hollywood more than I really wanted to. Um, my manager and my agent—they're both very wired into the Hollywood end of things, and so they sort of not force me, but nudge me to think about writing things that can be adapted to Hollywood. Um, uh, so when I write, so when I write a comic, I'm not writing it as a pitch, but there's still part of me that's thinking about, about it as something that could be potentially sold. Um, and I just one day said, I, I got to stop doing this for a while because I, re I really did fear that I was going to become one of those guys that just write writes movie pitches in comic form. And yeah. uh, I didn't want that to happen. So basically I said, what can I do that is going to be something that really can't be optioned? Right, right. I, 
I wanted something that was just so off the wall with subject matter and uh, just with the the technique. It's just something that could only really work as a comic. Um, and so what I came up with was, well, I was sitting in the, the local comic shop and I was uh, trying to think of what I could do and how I could become rich. And I thought, hey, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made some people rich. I should be the <laughs> yes, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What could I do that would have that sort of instant appeal? And what eventually came to me was doing Santa Claus, Cupid, the Easter Bunny, and Jack-O-Lantern as paramilitary uh, terrorists taking on <laughs> super, taking on the supermarket that invented them that in, is in no way resembles Walmart, and you can't prove otherwise. I love it. I love it. I read so, the first couple pages, and, and, and then I, I had to switch over to the other book, but I was just, I was so entertained. I, I need to know where that goes. Um, it goes pretty, it's like, we haven't done the second or third issue yet, but basically there's, there's going to be a, I think a pattern to holiday men stories, which is basically they find out something that pisses them off and then they blow it up. Nice. <laughs> um, and something will probably try and stop them from blowing it up, but that's basically what they go into things thinking they're not exactly subtle. No, no. It sounds just as marketable as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Well, it's like, I'm like, okay, well, it's like got recognizable figures, all sort of recognizable figures. But I mean, again, again, it wasn't something that I was doing to be marketable. I was just like, I wanted, I I think Cowboys and Aliens at that time was just beginning to uh, ramp up. And I really wanted something that I thought could maybe get out there and kind of get ahead of it because Cowboys and Aliens, my name is on it, but it's not mine. And um, so I was sort of going, what could I do that might be able to get above Cowboys and Aliens and be my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so that nobody, <laughs> no, nobody will be asking me about Cowboys and Aliens, or at least won't be asking me as much. Right. Right. But it was not to be, and my August was spent doing a hell of a lot of interviews. <laughs> yes. I mean, it sounds like a really cool idea. I didn't mean to say it wasn't like a cool idea. I was just, I, was just, I, 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 I was, yeah. I was entertained thoroughly. I have to, uh, I have to be sure that, uh, that I pick up on the rest of that. I wanted to also, um, that was, a, that's funny. I was reading, I've, I've read done to death. I read, um, quite a bit of, uh, parting ways. And then after reading, uh, the little bit of holiday men that I did, the ideas that you come up with for your stories are, to me anyway like they're not extreme but they're definitely not your usual fare and i was like i was wondering like what kind of time you have with trying to put these books out there especially something like parting ways because parting ways the way that it was written like it was really really um i don't want to use the word deep but i mean no like seriously it it really made you it brought up a couple of questions about the idea of death and the idea of of moving on and the possibilities of, of like your soul being being torn in, in two different uh, ways. And that's not always something that people jump on. It's a little bit too cerebral for most people. Right. There are a lot of, a lot of words in it, too. Looking back on it now, yeah. I, I sort of cringe when I see what I made uh, Scott Mooney, the artist, fit into yeah. a panel along with a lot of text. Well, the whole conversation inside the um, inside the train, and uh, well, actually, we should probably tell people what Parting Ways is first. That'd be a good idea. So sure, it's a it's it's a comic book, 144 pages. I don't like using the term graphic novel, so I'm going to say comic book. But 
it's got a spine. Uh, it's about a guy who commits suicide, whose soul goes to a hell that's uh, run by a bureaucracy. It's basically Dante by way of Dilbert. Um, <laughs> um, while he's there supposedly being tormented for eternity or at least 20 years, um, his girlfriend shows up, sees him hanging in her studio, drags him down, and manages to revive his soulless body. So you get the two parallel tracks of the soulless body, which starts to go on and basically achieve everything that the, the soul ever wanted, but can't really appreciate it. While the soul's in hell, um, not really being tormented the way he's supposed to, but sort of learning that his priorities maybe weren't what they should have been. Yeah. I love that. I love the demon. The, the, the demon's got, uh, got a lot to say. I like that guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I, when I was, I mean, I, my own views, I'm not going to get into it on here, but it was definitely, uh, mirroring a lot of things that I thought myself. And I mean, I'm, um, as, as I read more comic books, I just, I find that your writing definitely, uh, matches like where I am. And, uh, you've got a real way of, of getting, getting into some really strange topics and presenting them in a fashion that I, that I can dig anyway. Yeah, well, I, my theory is that if you can make people laugh, you can basically get them to at least read whatever you're doing. So usually there's a strain of humor, admittedly dark humor in my stuff, but um, Definitely, I would say so. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because the thing I've got going on now, with, uh, I'm doing a, I'm trying to put together a book called Fools and Mad Men with uh, a local artist, uh, Danny Schneider, and it's basically the the funniest thing I've ever written, but it's a very straightforward family friendly comedy. Oh, cool. And I mean, and I've like also written a, uh, a, a romantic comedy. Um, Change it, of pace. So, so, so I mean, I, I do put out the books that I'd like to read generally speaking, and my, my tastes do tend to go towards the dark and the kind of, surreal or quirky i guess is the best way to put it um but uh there there are other things that i will write when i'm drawn to the subject matter um it's probably not the best thing for my career so my <laughs> agents say no 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 romantic comedy yeah <laughs> you're, you're gonna be the grim and gritty guy and with the dark humor that's you what you is it that. like what does it take for you to want to be a part of part of a project like what like like hooks you into wanting to do something especially something so different from from the stuff that i've read like doing a romantic comedy sounds like you know uh, an about face on the normal stuff that that you've been doing um well i mean the, the thing that gets me into the most stuff that i would not normally do is a paycheck um <laughs> the romantic comedy though was something that i wrote uh, independently and um basically in a weird way, it's sort of the story of how my wife and I got together dramatized in a way that's not realistic at all. It's basically a, a love triangle between a guy, a girl, and her pets. <laughs> and it's told from the cat and dog's point of view, and most of what they're talking about is how to get rid of this guy. Oh, man, Nancy's going to want to read that. My wife, she'd, she'd love that. No, I can, I'll send you a copy of the script if you're interested. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be sweet. Sure, no problem. All right, uh, let's uh, let's move on to Dunda Death because uh, that's pretty much how this all came about. Yes, 
Um, what put what pushed you over the edge about uh, wanting to write "Done to Death"? Like, what what was the uh, what was the inspiration or the final straw? Well, there were there were two components to "Done to Death," and originally it was actually two stories that were okay, and then when I sort of put them together, I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm onto something that I'm really interested in. Um, so while a lot of people think it's the story of a fat, awkward vampire, um, which from a Hollywood point of view, it actually is. He's the, he's the character with the arc who starts one way and ends another way. Yeah. Um, to me, it's always been a story about, uh, uh, an editor who's so sick of getting bad vampire manuscripts sent to her that she starts killing the writers. <laughs> um, and for the vampire part of it, the, uh, well, I mean, I look at it, there's a reason he's named Andy, I guess is what it comes down to. And I look at my misspent youth and I go, wow, that could have gone really, really wrong. <laughs> and so with Andy, it's basically like everything went really, really wrong. And that's what you end up with. Um, for the, for the Shannon Wade side of things, the editor, uh, Basically, my first paying job in the comic industry was as a submissions editor uh, for uh, an online company. And yeah, you get these these proposals. I mean, I just, I can't imagine what the slush pile is like for major companies because we were just bombarded with like some, like our little, our little nothing company was just bombarded with some of the weirdest, baddest, worst stuff. <laughs> And I can't say that I ever particularly wanted to do violence on any of the people, but I could certainly see where if I had to do it for an extended period of time, um, I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised it hasn't happened already because every editor that I've ever met has been seriously overworked and um, they, they all have sort of a, a harried aura about them yeah. where, you know, they're just, especially with the, the like the various publishing industries being in the state they're in right now, it's like they've got so much to do and so many balls to keep in the air. And then on top of that, you've got some idiot who comes in with his vampire manuscript that stars him and his girlfriend and his, uh, and he the, wants the cover of the book to be written in neon. Yeah. Well, actually it's, it's, it's unfortunate because there actually is a guy who, is out there and I've heard this story from two or three other people and I've seen the proposal and actually he's almost always brought up as what not to do. And basically his thing is it's a story. It's him as a vampire and it's everything you would expect after that. Ah. Uh, and it's, uh, after I wrote done to death, a friend of mine, uh, basically came up to me who he was handling submissions and he handed me this proposal and I'm like, Oh crap, it's real. <laughs> Which I sort of intellectually knew, but it's a whole other thing to hold it in your hand and just get a sense of just how out of touch people can be sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I don't watch American Idol, so I, I imagine you can get, I, I understand you can get the same sort of uh, feeling from that. But uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it, there's a certain amount of frustration. He, it goes both ways too. I mean, if you're an editor and uh, I know several editors who are, are great, but they're like, 
even books that they like that they want to do, they can't get done for whatever reason. So, you know, occasionally you find the gem in the pile and that's why you keep going, but it's not easy. No, I would imagine not. How did just have nothing but respect for editors. And so I wrote, I could imagine that that would be extremely maddening. I would never. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I found it really interesting. A a couple of things. Um, I really liked the book a lot. And what I liked about the book was, um, it's obviously dark. (laughs) Yeah. The artwork is great, uh, but that's the story. The dark, (laughs) it's, uh, it's obviously dark satire, obviously, but I, I, I liked, I loved the idea of this, young man taking to the extreme these you see people all the time with with any big craze there's people who wish they were that thing you know like the when avatar came out people were crying because they couldn't live on pandora you know and there's like this kid Are you making fun of me is it, shut up <laughs> <laughs> i got really like scared avatar. i had a moment for a second i like avatar too but i moaned a fear for a second that steve was one of those people and i didn't know oh, you're so oh, mean no, i hate avatar i have to cancel the cancel the podcast right now um no um that this kid took it to the actual extreme and there was something bad waiting for him when he took it to that extreme and i found just that that simple idea really cool i also found it interesting that there is you know the author that obviously that starts with the manuscript that we see we were talking about um and his story you know is 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 sad in a lot of ways you know, obviously he's you're you don't treat him very nicely, but like he is a lost person, and it ends up being much more nefarious near the end. But like he starts out as like a lost person who he just has put his faith in the wrong, the wrong thing, you know. And I think there's there's a lot of people in the world like that, and I think that even though it's a satire, it's a really interesting it, like examination of those people to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess. Part of what bothers me about the, uh, like, say, Twilight, for instance, um, is that everybody in it is so perfect. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I find it much more interesting to deal with people who are really broken and uh, just see how they respond to various things. Like I said, it's Andy's story in the sense that he actually has a character arc and things change for him and his attitudes change and what he wants seems to change although that yeah it seems to change mm-hmm. um <laughs> really, really it's more like his wish gets granted but he never dared hope for it <laughs> right yeah. um so yeah i i just find those those kind of and i mean i guess i'm i'm completely dysfunctional so i just write what i know in that regard <laughs> absolutely how did you uh end up hooking up with fiona for the art of the book uh there was a, a uh place called oh god gerald's gonna kill me what's it called maple ink comics uh it was a it was a comic creators forum for specifically alberta-based creators i'm in canada alberta um and there were several artists and and several writers and fiona put her work up there and i'm like i have got to like get to her before dc and marvel do Um, yeah because to me, it's always been inevitable that she was going to end up huge. And yeah, she's good. She's real good. It, it took longer than it did. I mean, she's doing uh, the book with uh, Brian K. Bond now, Saga at Image. Um, uh, yeah. Whoa. That's so exciting. Yeah, isn't it, though? Um, it is. We were talking about him last week. 
Yes, we were. Yeah. So, Sorry. No, it's good. Yeah, I'm, good. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> I, I, I really expected it to be bigger sooner, but I'm like, okay. I So I contacted her and said, hey, I've got, well, I don't think I said I've got something. I said, um, hey, are you open to working with somebody collaborating for not a lot of money? And if so, what sort of work do you like? And Fiona, if you, if you see her, she's like, just the the cutest nicest person you could ever meet and nobody ever believes that she she's the same person that drew this um but it turns out that she really likes dark horrific stuff so i i pitched her the book and i had just recently had uh parting ways published by speakeasy so i had uh i think a leg up on the other people on the forum just by virtue of the fact that i had a book that i hadn't personally published right um, so she said yes, and we went from there. Uh, who's de- I'm curious, whose design choice was it for Andy to have uh, the multiple mouths? Because I thought that that was really unique. Uh, yeah, that was that was me, I believe. Um, was basically, there, sorry, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, was there was there a particular reason for that? Yeah, well, there, there were two reasons. Um, one one aesthetic and one logistical. Uh, the aesthetic reason was. You know, vampires are kind of, they're so done that I just wanted something that didn't look like it. And I think what influenced me most was uh, the Reapers in Blade 2. Ah, yes. And just, I wasn't going to go with what they did, but I liked the idea that there was something other than a couple of teeth there. Yeah. So, so I came, I, I sort of thought, what could I do that's really kind of bizarre and grotesque and the mouths came up. Um, the the logistical reason was that there's a lot of fake vampires in the story and, and I really wanted a way, a visual way to easily cue the, uh, the readers in that, okay, you want to represent the the guys who get their fake teeth kicked out. And then there's a guy who has multiple sets of real teeth. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that, that, those two things are what was influencing me to do those. So you wanted like the real deal to be properly represented. Yeah. Well, I wanted something that was like. Horrific, I right? Guess. And that's like another thing that's sort of been lost from the vampire. And I did find for all for all the goofiness that is in Blade Two, that when the, the Reapers open their mouths, that's pretty unsettling to me. Yes, and Definitely so I wanted scarier parts. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I wanted so was something that would be unsettling for people. And actually, I was at a a show a few years back. We when we had the individual issues, and I got a big sign of uh andy with the mouths and i I actually felt really bad because this kid walked past it then turned around looked at it and burst into tears (laughs) making kids cry yeah like and like i think actually frightening them that's how you know it was a success yeah and he'll have nightmares for the rest of his life invisible pat on the back like ah yeah Do you think do you think the story is over or would you maybe revisit the characters to continue the story? Because I know the the way that it ends, there's a chance that that it could go on, but are are you satisfied with it? Is it is it like laid to rest? Well, I'm I'm absolutely satisfied with the book, and if we never get any more, uh that's absolutely fine with me because I've finally got the collection and that's what I always wanted for it. Um Part of me really wants to write a bunch of sequels, and I do have an idea for a couple of sequels. Um, and part of me wants to write a lot just because I've got titles for most of them. 
<laughs> um, so, I mean, there's like done to death two, Dunner to death and <laughs> done to death three overdone to death done to death for the final sellout. <laughs> it's like done to death, reborn done to death, reborn two. <laughs> um, so, oh, and then there's my favorite, the one that I'm at, I'm, I'm never ever going to get to do, which is a uh, 30 days of done to death. Oh, nice. oh that'd be sweet. <laughs> which, which would be the super meta cro- crossover, not with, 30 days of night, but with actually Steve Niles as a character in, in the book. <laughs> I would definitely read that book. That'd be am- oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I haven't quite worked up the nerve to ask Steve. Um, so <laughs> you should also do More done to death takes Manhattan as well. What's that done to death takes Manhattan as well. <laughs> All done the underground clothes done to death in space. Mm-hmm. It's done. like the, if there's any ever been a book that was almost thematically required to be exploited into the ground it's this one <laughs> done to death takes the east village <laughs> it's just like done to death gone wild the the, the possibilities are endless but uh, a lot of it depends on exactly how well the the book is received and you know we came out among the new 52 so right we uh we we did okay for sales and as far as the critics are concerned well you guys reviewed us. <laughs> well, I, I, I managed to find, it's funny that I've managed to find the book just uh, completely by accident that we were in the East Village and we were down in this little like hole in the wall comic shop. And I was looking for one more book uh, for the night from our big city trip. And I just, I, it was like behind three other things. And I saw the title and I was like, ooh, I picked it up and I, thumbed through it just looking at the the art and i loved all of the sound effects with like the womp and all the the cool exaggerations of that i think one of the panels that i absolutely loved was um when shelly just screams bitch when she's talking uh on the phone with uh with with the editor and i just i was like i gotta check this out and we were on the train on the way home and I read the back and I realized what the actual content or the actual backbone of the book was, was that it was, you know, a, a, twi- a Twilight-like situation where the, the editor is rejecting these stories and going on this killing spree. And everybody on the train, I was like, oh, jittery. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I can't wait to read this like at home. And it was, it was just awesome from beginning to end. So uh, we, we love it. We're going to keep on pumping it even uh, beyond the podcast. Well, that that's fantastic, and thanks. And your check is in the mail. Yeah, all right, <laughs> it, it's not a very big check. Yeah, I'm putting my money hat on. <laughs> putting my money hat on. Oh um, yeah, just in closing, just I want to say that. Uh, I mean, Steve's also told you what he felt about. It. Steve wrote up the review. Um, I also read it this past week, and what I found about it is the, the thing I loved about it was the thing I love about uh, when I watch independent films in a lot of ways, which is what when I finished reading it. Um, I just come off Steve's huge praise of it. And so I was like, Oh, it was good. And then it kind of just stuck with me. And I kind of was found myself thinking about it like for the couple days after I read it. And I mean, even the books I usually love as far as the big superhero books, that usually doesn't happen. So, I mean that, and that usually happens to me with kind of off kilter, independent film, independent films as well. So that's kind of the same breath I, I, I enjoyed it in. And I just thought it was a, great read and you have a really good voice a really interesting voice and we read a lot of comics especially now and so sometimes it, that's really really refreshing 
to get a, a, a interesting voice, you know, stuck in the mix from all of the usual stuff. So, yeah, was this was definitely the thing that I was the most excited about since uh, since we started this. I mean, there's been so much good stuff, but this one struck a chord with me personally, and I, I'm just really happy that we were able to get you on the show and talk about it, and that uh, everything worked out. So. Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm always just delirious with joy when I hear somebody else like something I wrote. So. You can't see me, but I'm kind of vibrating a little over here. So thank Aww. you. I'm glad you. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. That's always nice to hear. Absolutely, man. Just add another zero to that check, okay? <laughs> yeah, and then I'll be able to get that coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna take a little bit of break, but we'll be right back. Randomly, Smart. Bobby, didn't you say December 15th for the show? Isn't it going on tomorrow? That's yeah, the what's, what's the tomorrow? The 14th? Oopsie. You can always re-record the intro. Yeah. I yeah? Can okay, just checking. I didn't know if you, Thank you. may have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next week releases. Uh, some stuff coming out. Uh, well, we do have uh, the variant cover of Archie meets Kiss. So we can definitely get that up. Out. <laughs> Archie meets Kiss Part One. Finally, be, I know uh, it's number six twenty-seven. But that's the number. So get caught really, up you guys now. Are just getting that. It's it's the variant cover, I think. Yeah, it's the alternate cover. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, we, it was because it was in the store. When we were in, we were in Midtown Comics. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was there. Oh, really? Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. You may want to start again because I just it's okay I'm learning things and sh- just interjecting it's okay no it's all good conversational podcast conversational podcast it's all right um uh from avatar press you have stitch number two we'll see what's happening i read stitch number one and i was i i I was very lukewarm on it okay but it's still gonna come out whether you liked it or not i know and you know what i'll probably (laughs) buy it just to just to satisfy the curiosity all right so, you sounded like the creepy little kid from Poltergeist there for a second. I can sound like Batman if you want me to. Carry on. I don't want any Christian Bale Batman voice. But I told her I'd do it at least once. Yes, you promise. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9, number 4. Sweet. Um, Call the Cat and the Skull, number 3 of 4. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Star Wars, Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, number 1 of 5. Um, for DC, we have American Vampire number twenty-one, uh, Batgirl number four, yeah, Batman and Robin number four, uh, Batwoman number four. There's a lot of bats. Yes. A lot of bats happening in Bat quick succession. Lesbians. Yes, that's true. Right. It's Batman oh. is I think in every single New Fifty Two book at some point or another. He shows up at least once. Yeah, uh, it's really ridiculous. He's in Aquaman's closet. He's tracking the pink one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Deathstroke number four, Ugh. Demon Knights number four, which I'm, I'm, I'm losing. That's another. That's another we'll see. On. It's another we'll see. Um, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade yes. number four, uh, Green Lantern number four, which is a reboot. That's not a reboot. That this whole New Fifty Two thing has been really kind of just the same as always. But it's good. It's Jeff Johns' book, so whatever. Uh, Grifter number four, sweet. Uh, Legion Lost number four. 
We neither, none of us are reading that. It's Brad, <laughs> no. right? M- Mr. Terrific, number four. Um, Ray, number one. Isn't that the book that's that in the That was the back? thing that was in the back. Yeah, I didn't bother. The preview. Um, Resurrection Man, number four. Uh, Superboy, number four as well. And uh, that's another we'll have to see. Um, Dynamite. We have Danger Actually, Girl and the Army of Darkness, number four. Uh, Kirby Genesis Silver Star, number two. Uh, and Red Sonia, number 60. And Warehouse 13, number three. Um, again, these aren't all the releases. These are just the releases I'm picking out that are kind of the bigger ones, I guess. Um, Warehouse 13. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just picking out ones. I'm going randomly. All right. Uh, IDW. <laughs> we have a Doctor Who, uh, number 12 is coming out. Um, Godzilla Legends, number two. Uh, <laughs> what was that noise? <laughs> uh, oh, I can't even stop laughing now. All right. Uh, Lock and Key, Clockworks, number three. Uh, Rocketeer Adventures, the hardcover uh, trade of Volume One. Snake Eyes, number eight. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Uh, from Marvel, we have Avengers X Sanction, number one, which apparently is the first seeds of Avengers versus X Men. Aha! Uh-huh. It's not fully part of that series, obviously, because it starts until March. But that's like the first seeds of it. Uh, Avengers Academy, number twenty-three. Avengers nineteen fifty-nine, number four. Um. Black Panther, The Most Dangerous Man Alive, number 526. Uh, Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, The Way Station, number one of five, um, which is obviously the comic book version of The Dark Tower, which is really, really good if, if, if you're not reading it. Um, and um, Fear Itself, Fearless, number one. Ghost Rider, number seven. Um, Iron Man 2.0, number 11. John Carter and the World of Mars, number three. Nice. Which Steve is reading. Um, Journey into Mystery, number 632. And Marvel Holiday Special 2011, a one-shot. Um, and let's see, anything else big? Shield number four, and Ultimate Comics X-Men number four on Kenny X-Men, a uh, Kenny X-Force number eighteen. It's so much, so much. <laughs> uh, Wolverine the X-Men. Oh, number one, that's a variant cover. Never mind. Wolverine the best there is number twelve. All right, so that is some of the things coming to your comic book store today. Because it's Actually, Wednesday. Can I jump in to just yeah. There's one. There's one you missed with DC that I. And that's the the shade number three. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Are you are you but, checking that out? Yeah, I am. I am, and I'm a real uh, Cully, uh, Cully Hamner fan too. So, and apparently it's not doing that well. And the uh, the writer James Robinson has been suggesting it might be canceled before its entire twelve issue run, which I do not want to happen. So could everybody please go buy it? All right, so shade number three. There's the word. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen to Andrew Foley, or like the editor in Dawn of Death, he will kill you. <laughs> in your sleep. Yeah. It's or true. not. I will. <laughs> so there we go. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. It's no. Because <laughs> we're Canadian. Ah, gotcha. Well, if yeah. you, wouldn't you not, aren't you too polite to kill people? No. That's what I heard in Bowling for Columbine, that you guys were too polite to kill people. She threatens me on a daily basis. (laughs) That's what we want you to think. That's what we want you to think. She stab you with icicles and you sleep while the polar bear mauls you. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We're we're deceptive people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Icicles are untraceable. We even have a a formula for the icicle bullet. Oh, really? Mm. True story. True story. (laughs) (laughs) We're spinning our own narrative right here as we close out the show. All right, so um, that is the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Um, thank you so much, Andrew Foley, for joining us. Absolutely. 
thanks again for having me guys it was a lot of fun yeah it was great to talk to you man and uh keep up the great work i love done to death so steve do you want to say anything before you say goodbye yeah don't we got uh <laughs> what are you doing to me i don't know, I don't know. You're, cl- you're you're just trying to claw me batman yeah but, but no I, I can't do that not batman yeah um batman. we gotta tell people how to get in touch we with do. us that's why i said there's something you want to say before we get you out of here. always throw it to me and i always screw it up yeah well I can't do all the work. All right. Well, if you're on the Twitter, <laughs> you could reach us at, at Talking Comics. Uh, leave us some comments, respond to our questions, and tell us what you think of the show and what you're reading and all kinds of stuff. There's, if there's anything that we're not reading that you think we should be, then tell us. Like shade number three. Like shade number three. Exactly. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, but I will let you know that it is under construction because I'm doing a lot of stuff right now, and sometimes I just forget. So we'll be updating that soon. Uh, otherwise, Bobby, you can do the email because I never get it right. Info at TalkingComicBooks.com is where you can send an email um, to to us. Uh, obviously, your thoughts, your, your criticisms, your praise, uh, what you want us to talk about. You do it more in a long-form version there in the email. Um, like I said, iTunes, Talking Comics, review us, subscribe. It really helps out. Um, we had a bunch of new listeners this past week, and I want to thank everybody who's, who's started listening. Um, go to the site, TalkingComicBooks.com. Obviously, we put up reviews. It's not just the podcast. We put up reviews every week. Um, all of us do. Um, so I think that's about it. Right? I actually, just real quick, I just want to give a special shout out to uh, the some people in my uh, MFC crew, which is part of uh, Joe Blow's movie community. That have been uh, privately been giving us some really big uh, compliments and such. Uh, I aming me on Facebook and whatnot. So uh, Eric Darko and Mr. T Bon Rage, really appreciate your support. Spread it like wildfire. You guys are awesome. So thank you very much. All right. So yes. that is it for the Talking Comics podcast. That's it. So for Steve, good night. Stephanie, good night. And Andrew, bye bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time, to be continued.